other transitions can become permanent if we are not operating in the will of God. Okay, now, and I also want to say that whenever whenever we're we're looking at life through the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, we want to be mindful of what Paul said, and uh, and Paul said that that this was given to us as an example or it was given to us as a type. So when we look in the Old Testament, we're looking at the Old Testament as a type. It is not our reality. It is a, it is a type. It is a prophetic picture of what life can look like or what life does look like. Many of the experiences that Israel had in the Old Covenant is not applicable to our reality in Christ uh, because Christ came and one of the purposes of his coming was to fulfill the law and the prophets, which was the Old Testament. And so now many of these types are not are not applicable to us. Okay, now I want to say that even though as believers we all go through transition, that one of the things we should always consider is that because the Spirit of God lives in us, He will not allow us to remain locked in a permanent transition. He will not permit us uh, to remain locked in a pattern of rebellion, even though we still see that. But, but by the leading of Holy Spirit, even if we get stuck in a season of transition, by him we can come out. And that's the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. Israel did not, the people of Israel did not have Holy Spirit. They did not have the, the word of God. They had uh, supernatural manifestations such as God leading them by the Shekinah cloud and leading them by fire. Uh, they had the revelation of the commandments that were given to Moses. They had, of course, Moses who heard God, but personally they did not have the spirit of God. And that makes all of the difference. So when we're in transition, um, we must always remember that our transitions, we are being led by the spirit in our transition. And that means that we can always come through. All right. So in Exodus 16 verse one, it says, and they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Judah. And so this is, this is what their transition looked like. They are journeying. They are, they are moving forth. They are going forward because whenever we're in transition, we are always moving into the future, okay? 
We can, we can know we're in transition if the future is before us and we are moving forward into the future. One of the purposes of, of Israel's transition journeys was the Lord was teaching them how to be humbled because they were coming out of the world. Now, this again, this is another type for the new covenant believer because many of us, we are coming out of the world. We are coming out of a worldly mindset. And, and so we go through transitions to be humbled. And that word humble means to be made dependent upon the Lord. Because many of us have lived our lives being dependent on ourselves or being dependent on others. But then in the midst of transition, the Lord is saying, I want you to be humbled. I want you to be humbled. I want you also to be planted. And that word planted means to be set or settled. Uh, because uh, Israel, even though they had been in slavery for 400 years, they had never been planted because it was not their land. They were there as slaves, as the oppressed. And then, uh, and then in the midst of their transition, these are some of the reasons why we go through transition. Uh, then in the midst of their transition, the Lord was preparing them for war. So he was, he was transforming them from a nation of slaves into a nation of warriors. He was making them warriors. He was teaching them how to war because uh, part of their conquest, part of their taking the land, taking the land of promise was they were going to have the war because there were people already there. And so in that instance, many times when we are called to transition, we are also being prepared for war, understanding now, understanding that we're not, we're not fighting to gain or to get. We are fighting because Jesus has already gained. He has already gotten. And so in a sense, we are simply uh, learning warfare so that when it comes, we know how to deal with it. We know how to win. We know how to stand. And so there's a preparation for war. And then transition is also, transition is also, and this is, this is prophetic, uh, in transition we are seeing the future or we are seeing the expected end. Now why is that important? Because because if we don't see the future, then transition is going to be very painful. So thus, in transition, we have to see where we're going. And even if we don't see where we're going, we have to see the Lord who is leading us there. I, rem I remember, because I've been through many transitions and I remember in 2011, uh, 2011 was a year of, of great transition for me. And one of, the, one of the challenges I was having is I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know 
I really didn't know why. I, I didn't know why I was in transition. I had I had an inkling because I had been to Nigeria in March of that year, and um, and the Lord gave me a vision where I saw the uh, principal demon, one of the principal demons, over the region that I was visiting and ministering in. And the Lord showed me that demon. It was a horrible, uh, just uh, horrible, horrible sight. Terrible sight. I can, I mean, it's 12 years later, I can still see that thing. I just pray I never have to see it again, but I can see it in my mind. And, and so when you see it, when you see a demon, they will often follow you. See, see, the devil loves to operate in darkness. He don't like being exposed. He don't. He don't like being brought into the light. And 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 demons are the same way. And so one of the things that happened is that that demon that I saw in Nigeria followed me back to the United States, and it released six months of the worst kind of warfare. I had ever experienced in my life. And so that was part of the transition, but I still didn't didn't know and I was asking the Lord, I was asking, I remember in August of that year, I was asking the Lord, why am I going through all of this? It was like month after month. I got back from Nigeria in March and from April until it ended in that October, I was month after month after month, I was going through intense setbacks and 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 terrible things were happening and uh, losing money and emergency surgeries and just all kind of stuff. And I was asking the Lord why, and He never answered me he, to this day. He He never answered me. All He said was you're in transition and I'm going to bring you through. And he did. But I never knew why. So what so what I'm saying to us is that sometimes the future that we are called to see is just to see the Lord. Sometimes he is the future that we are being called to see. He is the expected end that we are being called to see. Now, every transition has a beginning. I'm not going to, I've, I've got a lot of verses here, but I'm not going to read through all of them. But every transition has a beginning. Exodus 12, 37. I want to just take a look at that, that verse there. Exodus 12, chapter 12, verse 37. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses, which is Egypt, to sucketh about 600,000 men on foot besides the children. And then verse 40 and 41, it says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Okay? And so... There's always a a time. There's always a sequence of time that is assigned to our transition. So there is a beginning, 
and then there is a going through. So we begin the transition, and then we go through the transition. Okay, remember again that it is the Lord or Holy Spirit who is leading us. So if I had to look at a New Testament example of transition, I would look at Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. That is a picture of a transition. There is a beginning. Jesus was led. All of the gospel said Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, we don't always get an explanation for why we're in transition. We don't always get an explanation. We, we, we don't always get the time sequence for how long will this transition last. Uh, in 2011, my transition lasted from, it lasted from, from April to October. That was six months. And then, and then as quickly as it began, it ended. And it ended with a, uh, with a prophetic word. And so then, and then I came into 2012 and my life started changing. So, so even though I didn't get an explanation for the transition, I, I did get an understanding that the transition was preparation for me entering into 2012, which was the beginning of what I call the second half of my life. 2012 was the second half of my life. So many times your transition, you are, you are beginning something and you are going through. And so I went through. In 2011, I went through the transition. <clears throat> and then uh, lastly, the transition is an arrival to your destination. Now, this is, I've had a lot of opportunities of mentoring and coaching with believers who are in transition. Uh, most of us, when we're in transition, we, we don't know what the destination is or we don't know what the arrival is, okay? You can have uh, a sense of an arrival. Like let's say the Lord is talking to you about moving, okay? And we're going to look at that at the end of the teaching today, uh, how that was actually the beginning of a major transition for me when the Lord started speaking to me about moving. But let's say, let's say, the Lord is talking to you about moving. Uh, you don't have any details. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to come together. But, but you know that, that the destination, you know that there is a destination. And eventually, in order for your transition to end, you have to know where you're going. And so you can't keep transitioning for, for 20, 25 years saying I'm in transition and I don't know where I'm going. It, it doesn't work like that. Usually the Lord, usually the Lord will give you information as you're going in the midst of it. Now, although I didn't get an answer in 2011, in 2012, and then as I look back over that, that time period, it, it is now 
clear to me uh, why I had to go through transition. It, it became clear to me. Prophetically, it became clear to me. Apostolically, it became clear to me. And so there has to be an arrival. You may not know where that arrival is or what it looks like, but that's what you have to keep pressing into the Lord for. You have to keep asking the Lord, where, where am I going? Abraham didn't know where he was going when he left home. But eventually it was revealed to him before he got there that Canaan was the place that he was going to. Now, we don't know when God told him that, but we do know that he knew that it was Canaan because if he had not known that he was going to Canaan, he would have kept traveling. And so we have to press. We have to press for information. This is why prophets are so important. It's important that that we have a prophetic connection because, because many times uh, we need to hear God through the voice of others or we need a mentor. We need a, we need a mentor. When, um, when I was transitioning from, from the denomination that I was in into, into full apostolic prophetic, that started, that transition started. I was on a call with Apostle Teresa, and she prophesied. And she prophesied to me. And I knew that that prophetic word was for me. And I received that word by faith, and I started to walk in it that very night. And the Lord was revealing, this is in 2015, and the Lord was revealing that that my time in Virginia was up and that he was he was getting ready to move me. Now, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew that my time was up and I was moving. And so then a few months later, a few months later, the Lord revealed uh, a place for me. He, he said, and this, this is different because he said, send a resume to this organization. I never heard the Lord say that. He never told me you know, I mean, I had been a pastor in several churches and in the denomination, you know, you had to send resumes because church had gotten corporate and they, had, you know, they were like running like corporations. So they weren't praying about it. They weren't seeking the Lord. They looking at resumes. So if you want to go to a church, you have to send a resume. But, but the Lord told me to send a resume to this secular organization. I sent the resume a month later, I, had, I, was, I was driving there. It was about two and a half hours from where I lived. I was driving there for an interview. A month later, I got a job offer. Uh, it wasn't paying enough, so I couldn't accept it. And then a month after that, I got, I got another job offer, which, which was I was still taking a pay cut, but I could live off of what they was offering me. And then a month after that, I was moving to that place to take over that job in a four-month period, in a four-month period, and it all started with a prophetic word from Apostle Teresa. And so, and so transitions, you have, to, you have to know, eventually you got to know where you're going or else you're going to be in trouble. So transition occurs, here's something else, it occurs in a certain period. 
Israel's transition occurred over a three-month period. We have to consider uh, time in the midst of transition, even if it's a spiritual transition. We have to consider how much time is this going to take because one of the things that I see that's disturbing is people who are thinking they're in transition for years and years and they have no idea where they're going. That I don't believe is a spirit-led transition. So there are several things that, that take place when we're in transition, several several things that take place when we're in transition. So So... When we're in a transition, the Lord is revealing certain, certain things to us. Number one, Israel had an opportunity to change through their test. All right, let's, let's look in uh, Exodus 16.4. Exodus 16.4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. All right, so Israel has an opportunity to change through their tests, through their tests. And a test is a God opportunity where God is proving us, where God is revealing us, not to himself, but to us. And God is also giving us an opportunity to walk by faith because Israel's obedience to God's, to, to God's word, this was a matter of obedience. And so God says, I'm going to test them to see if they will walk in my Torah. And of course, we think of law, we think the law of Moses, but, but Torah, which is the uh, which is the revelation of God's person. So, so many times when you are, when you're in transition, you're being changed. You are facing an opportunity to change in your testing. In your testing, you're being because one of the things that's happening is you're being tested. You're being tested, and the test is not for God; it's for you. It is God revealing who you are to you so that you will know, all right, where I need to grow while I'm in transition, where I need to grow, where I need to make adjustments, where I need to overcome certain things. Number two, they were transitioning in their relationship with the Lord. Exodus fifteen twenty six. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So the Lord is revealing himself as the healer. Many times in transition, the Lord, because we have a tendency to look at ourselves, and to, you know, kind of focus on self. And then we, we start, and we're going to look at some of the negative emotions that come when we're in transition, but, but your transition is really about the Lord revealing himself. So what am I learning? 
about the Lord. I think back to when, I think back to 1993, I was pastoring in my first church. And I mean, I was, I was, I was really going through. And in the midst of that season of going through, the Lord revealed himself to me as El Shaddai, the, the God who provides, the God who met Abraham and who provided the ram. And I began to see the Lord in a new way as my provider. And so when you're in transition, the Lord will often reveal himself to you in new ways, and you will begin to see him in new ways. Number three, the Lord will begin to reveal his secrets to his people. All right, Exodus 16, 6 and 8. And the Lord will begin to to reveal when we talk about secrets we're talking about things that are not known to us revelations that are not known to us and then and then five the lord reveals his warfare strategy because remember one of the reasons one of the purposes of transition is to train us to be warriors and so in the midst of transition because many times in transition, the enemy is going to take advantage of your vulnerability. He's going to take advantage of your weakness, and he's going to come against you. And so then what the Lord does is he gives us a strategy on how to win. Now, we know that, we know again, and, and Apostle Teresa has taught this to us extensively, that... Uh, the devil is never our focus. He's not the one we're focused. He is a defeated foe. We, Jesus already took all the victory from him, but he still fights against us. And so the Lord will give us a strategy on how to win, on how to overtake and how to, and, and our warfare is not always against the devil. All right, many times our warfare is against ourselves, our flesh. Many times the warfare is against that, uh, that mindset that we adopted from family or we adopted from culture, and we are, we are warring against that. Many, many of us are warring against religion because we believe that God reveals himself in religion in the traditions of man. And so God has to give us a strategy of war so that we'll overcome. Now, how we respond to transition determines if we will come out or not. And again, I want to say to, to those of us in the new covenant, okay, uh, we, sh we should always be coming out. But Israel, unfortunately, because of their response, now, now if we respond wrongly, our response can delay, it can delay our transition. It can also, uh, it can also do damage to our hearts and to our spirits. And so let's look at some of the responses to Israel. Exodus 16 and 2. And then the whole congregation 
of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. All right. And so complaints. Now, remembering that Israel is in transition and they are being tested. And their complaint is actually the revelation of what's in their heart, which is not, which is not unknown to God, but it, it's very possible that it was, it was unknown to them. <clears throat> and God showed, he showed them much grace because when you're coming out of a bad situation, they had been slaves for 430 years. <clears throat> they had known misery. They had known bondage. For generations, they had been deprived of the, of the necessities of life. And so God was very gracious toward them. But the complaint actually did reveal. And so, and so they, they faced this test, right? They faced uh, this test, and then the test revealed what was in their heart. A complaint is a spoken grudge. It manifests from the heart. It is a seed planted with the mouth. And so a complaint only has power when it manifests. And so complaining, if you're complaining in the midst of your transition, all right, that complaint can actually be a revelation of what's in your heart. So then, so then you want to receive the word of the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart. And so we want to come to a place of purity in our hearts. And, and a pure heart does not mean uh, a heart without sin. It simply means that, that there, the quality of our heart will always expose it will always expose anything and everything that's not of God. All right, so uh, then uh, chapter 17, verse 2. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. They contended or they debated. All right, another response in the midst of transition was argument, argument. But in, in, in essence, they were not arguing with Moses. They were arguing with God. Now, I know we've been taught to believe we can say anything to God and, you know, God is big enough to take it. But, you know, be very careful with that. Be, be kind of careful with that because, because God is not your, your buddy. He's not, on, he's not on our level. Okay? <clears throat> so I understand where people want, you know, the people, they want people to feel comfortable with God. I don't think we want to get comfortable with God. Not where we're talking to him like we would talk to, uh, to our cousin or talk to our sister. We, we don't, we don't want to get into that place. We want, we, and, we, and we don't want to argue with God. Remember, uh, Job's, if you, if you want a good example of, what an argument with God looked like. Look at Job's discourse with God. And look how God shut him down. So, so listen, that, that, that can be the wrong response. Now, now speaking from pain, speaking from a place of pain, speaking from a place of hurt or disappointment, uh, I, I believe God, 
you know, God permits that for our healing. Just don't, just don't be directing it toward him. You know, because, I mean, most of the things that disappoint us, God didn't do it to us. If we can be honest, most of the things that hurt us, it, it wasn't God, it was people. Most of our, most of the of the of the bitterness, most of the betrayals, was not was not God. God God did not send Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus just knew who Judas was when he showed up, and so they debated. They 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 were arguing. They were contending, and as a result, as a result, here is one of the greatest tragedies in the scriptures is that what was supposed to be a transition, Numbers 14, what was supposed to be a transition became a permanent state of living for this one generation. Not for the, not, not for the entire nation for eternity, but for this one generation who, who was not humbling themselves, who were not, uh, who were not learning, who were not, uh, who were not learning the purpose of their transition from this one, one generation, and that's what it was—a a generation. And so their transition became permanent. What was only supposed to be a two-year journey became a forty-year life until they all died until that entire generation died. Funerals every day for the next 38 years. People dropping. Permanent transition. I don't believe that can happen. I don't believe that by the Spirit that will happen, but it can happen. And and you can make what was only supposed to be a six-month situation. You can make it the rest of your life. You can you can become stuck there. Now, by by the grace of God and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can get unstuck. That's the thing. There is that we're we're not under a judgment where God says, "All right, I'm sick of y'all." Because uh, if he had if he had spoken that over the church, then the we we the church would be messed up now. But we have always have the grace of God and we have the forgiveness of God available uh, to us. So even though I'm teaching their permanent state, I'm, what I'm saying is that you don't have to stay in a permanent state. I've seen churches, I've seen churches in the denomination I left get stuck because of their, because of their sin. Because of their arrogance, because they thought they knew more than God. And so what should have been a temporary situation becomes a permanent situation. This is where this is where most of the church is today. Because the church, we're we're always transitioning. We're always moving toward the future. We're always we're supposed to be always moving toward the future. But then when we get comfortable in the place where we are, we want to stay here. Or we become so bitter because we don't like the way our lives have turned out or we don't like 
the things that have happened to us and 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 we become bitter many of you have had experiences and your your experiences you know they're warranted they're they they were serious they were serious i i could i could be a bitter person uh because my father died when i was 7 years old and i grew up without a father that kind of that that left me with some issues as a man uh, because I didn't have a father, that could become a a place of unhealed, an unhealed place for me. But the grace of God came into my life and would not allow me to be there. A lot of the hurt that I experienced as a pastor, because you know we love talking about how pastors hurt people, but we we rarely consider how people hurt pastors. And I could share stories about people that I had loved and poured into and and was committed and loyal to how they turned against me and betrayed me and and disappointed me and turn you know that all of that could make me bitter and I've seen a lot of pastors become bitter as they get they get older. That that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get out while I was still young. Because I didn't want to be an old man in that denomination, watching, watching old men bitter and angry because they have never healed from their hurts. You can be a, a member of a family, and your 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 family dysfunction has gotten so normal that that dysfunction has made you angry. It has made you mistrustful. It has made you not trusting in people. That can do damage to you. That can do damage to you. But but we want to always keep moving. Even if we have to leave some people. We have to leave some situations that we have to leave some seasons. Some of us, some of us are in the leaving business. That's our business. We're in the goodbye business. Goodbye is on our backs. And when we and when we're leaving, they're saying goodbye, because I'm out. This is not life. And so we're 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 in we're always in transition, but we never want to come to a place or stay where our transitions become permanent. Now I'm getting ready to to wrap this up. Common negative responses to transition. All right, number one, anger. When we are not dealing with transitions in a godly way, and, and really the only way to deal with the transition is to follow God and submit to his will. All right, two things, submit to the will of God, say yes to the will of God. In 2011, I didn't even know what God was doing, but I submitted, I kept praying. I kept asking the Lord why, but I kept following. I kept submitting. I kept following the Lord, and eventually he brought me to the end of that transition. But anger, all right, now anger is a, is a, is a human emotion. Anger in itself is not wrong, but anger that remains become, become a, a it becomes sin. It can actually move us into sin. All right. Number two, self-pity. 
Self-pity. Many times in transition, we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And then we go to telling people how hard life is or how, how bad people have treated us. And, and now we're looking for people to pity us. And when people don't pity us, they don't love us. Hey, y'all don't love me. Y'all, I thought y'all was Christians. Y'all don't love me. That's self-pity, though. Self-pity is when you begin to uh, feel a certain way about yourself and you begin to take on the mindset of a victim. All right, doubt. Number three, doubt. Doubt is actually the, um, it is anti-faith. So many times in transition, and especially when, because, listen, when God speaks, Often what, a, what happens when you hear God, what happens is a contradiction of what God says. So God says you're healed and you're getting sicker. God says that you are, uh, God says that, that you are wealthy and, I mean, you're getting more broke. God says that you are the head, but... It seems like everywhere you go, you're the tail. You're on the bottom. You're watching other people move forward. And so there's often a contradiction. And that contradiction can create doubt. Because there are two ways that we can, uh, we can respond to things that are not working out in alignment with the word of God. We can either believe God more or we can begin to doubt. And doubt makes us unstable. James 1 and 6 says we become, we become like, like winds tossed about. We become uh, unstable. And then number four, sin. All right, if we don't respond right to transition, it will often lead us into sin. Sometimes it's the sin of the spirit, which is more of an attitude, but it also can lead us into a physical act of sin, which is what Israel eventually was doing. They were coming into a, into a state of sin, even relating to how God gave them instructions on how to receive the manna. And God says, don't go looking for the manna on the seventh day. And many of them went out on the seventh day. That, that is sin because they were not following the instructions of God. Many times in transition, we can enter into sin. All right, compromise. Uh, Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. And so many times when you're in transition, you're looking for the master that's going to help you the most. And it, it can be God. It could be the world. It could be, uh, it can be money. It can be connections. You just, you just looking for some help. But in looking, and help is never wrong. It's never, it's never wrong to look for help. It's the type of help that you're looking for because if you're looking for the wrong help, it will bring you into compromise. It'll bring you into compromise. Then number six, depression. Depression, the, uh, David talks about the soul being uh, disquieted or the, or the soul because depression is a, is a response in our soul. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about uh, 
medic, medical depression. I'm talking about a depression that comes because depression comes when we become disappointed in the midst of the transition. Okay, we take our eyes off the Lord. We stop seeing the Lord. We stop seeing his purposes. Sometimes when you're in transition, you have to remember how, how the Lord dealt in your past. So sometimes you got to look back in the past when you're in the midst of the transition because when you see the hand of God in your past, it will, it will keep you from depression in the present. And then number seven, fear, all right? Fear, fear, fear. Peter was walking on waters, and he looked at the waves. He looked at the circumstances, and many times you can look at the circumstances in your transition and take your eyes off Jesus, and it creates fear uh, within you. So these are these are common negative responses to transition and you can create your own list this is not an exhaustive list you can create your own list you have to watch for certain negative responses now your response should always your your response should always be faith it should always be worship it should be prayer sometimes your response should be silence i don't know what god is doing I don't know where I'm at. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm just going to keep my mouth. I ain't talking. I'm not talking to the Lord because there is a time to be silent. I ain't talking to people. I'm not talking to my friends. I'm just going to be quiet. So there are, there are some responses. Uh, there are some responses. Patience, okay, that's a positive response. Because sometimes we're just, we're in a waiting mode. You're moving, but you're waiting. Because you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going to end up. You, you just heard God say, get up and move. And you obeyed what he said and you were moving. But you didn't know where you was going. You didn't know where you was going. So here's my, here's my testimony as I, as I end this teaching for today. It was March 20, 2019. Wow, it's four years ago. And I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord say, I want you in Atlanta before the beginning of the year, 2020. And uh, and it it was it was unusual, even though I had I had done a lot of moving because I had pastored three churches. Uh, so I lived in three different states and I had, and I had moved back home after one of the pastors cause my, my mother was sick. And so I had done a lot of moving, but this is the first time, uh, that I was moving and I wasn't moving for a job. I wasn't moving for ministry. I wasn't moving for family. I just heard God say, I want you in Atlanta before 2020. Now I had been coming to Atlanta for the for the scribal advances 2013. I had gone through uh I had met Apostle Teresa in 2012. Uh, and I had gone through the certificate to teach. And so 2013 I started coming here for the scribal advances. But I had a history in Atlanta because the denomination that I was in, we used to have our winter meetings here 
in Atlanta from the late 80s until up to 1995. So I had been coming to Atlanta for a number of years in the 80s and 90s. Uh, back then, it was a lot smaller than it is now. Or, yeah, I think it was a lot smaller because I don't remember all the traffic. And so Atlanta was one of my favorite cities to visit, but I never actually thought about living here. And, and, when, and, and when the denomination, they even planted a church here and, uh, and the, the board wanted me to move here to take over the church. But I was like, no, I, I, don't, I, I wasn't seeing it. I, just, I never saw myself living in Atlanta. So even when I was coming here for the scribal advances, it was a good time to be here. I met all of you and met, uh, got to hang out with Apostle Teresa, but I never, I never saw myself living here. And then the Lord says, I want you in Atlanta. And he says specifically before the beginning of the year. Now, whenever the Lord speaks to you, that is the beginning of transition. Because at that point, I didn't know how he was going to do it. But I knew that the Lord had spoken, and I said yes. But there were some other situations, there were some other things happening that was getting in my way. So as the year was ending, I wasn't moving. And there were, there were other situations that I don't really want to share that was like, well, you just can't move. So then... 2020 came and the Lord just stepped in and he started breaking down everything. I mean, he started breaking down my job. I was losing hours on my job. I wasn't making as much money. Uh, then the, uh, the place where I was living, they changed the terms of my lease. And all of a sudden, it was almost impossible for me to pay the rent. And all of these things were happening. And, and you know, when bad things happen, the first thing you think is it's the devil. And so I, I didn't say it, but I'm like, man, what it, the devil is, he moving. And a prophet, a prophet came to me a few days before my birthday in February. And he says, he says, God has taken a hammer. And he's tearing up everything. He says, there will be nothing left from your life when God is finished. And then you will begin, then you will be able to move into the new thing. It was, it was a month later. It was a month later, uh, March the 20th, 2020, which was the last day of the Hebrew year 5780. And March 21st was Nisan uh, 1, which is the spiritual new year on the Hebrew calendar. And I was moving to Atlanta. I was moving to Atlanta. So, so in that transition, God had to tear up everything in my present life in order to get me here to Atlanta. Has it been easy living here? No. Have I, have I wanted to leave? Yes. But this is where the Lord says, I want you to be. And so there are, there are times in transition 
where you just have to believe God. I believed God, and I knew I was going to be in Atlanta, but there were some things that I just couldn't fix. There were some things that I couldn't change, and so then God came with his hammer, and he started tearing down everything so that I had no choice. There was nothing left for me to stay so I could then come to live in Atlanta. And so that was that was a that was a major that was a major transition. So God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh for transitions and I I want to Father, I'm praying for those that are in transitions right now for those who are either in the beginning or they're in the continuing or even for those who are coming to an end because the end of a transition can be the greatest challenge. How, how do we navigate now in this, in this place that you have brought us to? How, how do we navigate? We've been seeing the future, but now the future is now. The future is present. Uh, we've been walking in, the, in your prophetic word, and now the prophetic word has become reality. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would give us uh, wisdom in this season that you will cause us to know what it is that we're supposed to do. We thank you that all of the giftings that were given to the, to the 12 tribes of Israel is now in us through Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray for a release of the, of the Issachar gift that we will know the times and seasons that we're in and what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And I, and I pray, Father, that, that this word will go forth and it will create uh, application and demonstration uh, in Jesus. We thank you that signs and wonders follow us as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right.